morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the CEO Story. We have got a cracker today. We've got Tony Martinetti, who is the Chief Inspiration Officer and founder of Inspired Purpose Coaching. And his story to getting into the coaching business is quite interesting. So, Tony, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. I'm looking forward to chatting today. Yeah, so let's start with a little bit about what is Inspired Purpose Coaching, and then we'll rewind it back through your journey. Yeah, so Inspired Purpose Coaching really was founded on the whole premise of helping people to connect with what they need in their lives, what what is really inspiring them to wake up every day and live with joy um, and to feel more fulfilled. I often say that I help to guide people to climb mountains and to uh, find fulfillment in their lives and to live that inspired purpose, Fantastic. which can be elusive. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It helps put things into perspective. But you weren't always a coach, and you got a similar background to myself in finance, finance mm-hmm. and corporate. So let's rewind it back to those days, and then we'll see your journey and your story kind of unfold. I'll go even further back before my finance days to say that I was a creative child uh, who was re- really lauded for you know my ability to turn out amazing pieces of work, both painting, drawing, all you know all of that type of work. Eventually, I decided to get into the field of uh, being a being in pre med because science was more of a thing where people say like you can get you know you're not going to go very far with the art work you do. You need to find something more lucrative, that kind of thing. It was all very well-meaning adults, um, but I listened and I said, okay, well, I'll do something that's going to be more lucrative. Um, I got interested in pre-med because I was really fascinated with the way the the body structured and the way things, you know, that we are as humans are, how we're wired. I particularly wanted to get into um, radiology because I like the structure of the bones and seeing how like you could see what was wrong by looking at the bone structure. So pre-med, eventually I switched into business because I said, you know, I don't know about cutting cadavers open was going to be really my thing. So I decided to, um, to see if I could still leverage my passion for the sciences and for the arts, but do it in a way that would be through business. And that's where I was on my, my journey. Oh. Uh, yeah, so I started there. Um, not 100% clear exactly how it, it was all going to play out, but I kept on taking steps. My first role was uh, working with um, Gillette, so the Blades and Razors company. Yeah, huge company. Yeah, and, uh, you know, grind my gears there early, you know, accounting, finance uh, roles, and eventually got into more of the high tech space um, after leaving that big, big company, going to a smaller company with still a global presence um, and, you know, continuing to, to broaden my range of what was possible. Eventually took a finance role inside of a, um, a biotech company called Genzyme. Now this was for me like a, a place of coming home because I realized that I could, I could have an impact from a science perspective, but from a finance lens, from a business lens. So I took all the skills and things I learned and I took it into the space of finance in the biotech setting. 
Okay, so yeah. you're feeling more comfortable at this point because <clears throat> it's not just numbers and it is some interaction with other things that you're also quite like and interested in. So, so that's two birds with one stone at that point. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> exactly. And, you know, part of it is like when you go into an industry like that, there's an element of I don't know all the things that I need to know, um, you know, knowing the clinical development process or, you know, when you're trying to plan from a financial perspective for drug development or for you know, launching a drug, there's a lot of things that are unknowns. And just even knowing the process of developing a drug, you have to come in with a very, um, let's call it the beginner's mind. Um, and I had to ask a lot of questions. Sometimes I felt like embarrassed to ask the questions well, I asked. Because it's all learning, right? So yeah. there's, there's a lot of learning along the way. So after the seven years there, then, then what happened at that point? Yeah, I, I mean, that was my foundational experience of working at Genzyme. I mean, it was that moment of um, grinding, learning how to be a leader, how to, you know, really navigate um, the politics. I went to, to a smaller company where I was able to make a more profound impact in the commercial side of the business. And um, one thing that I realized is that as you start to move from company to company, you're always starving to find the cultural fit that fits you perfectly. And it's a struggle. So you have to really start to look for the clues of, you know, what cultural elements am I looking for? What values light me up? And um, that was the one thing that was constant. I was always looking for that right fit. And so, one thing I sorry, realized... You bring up a good point there. So culture is a very tough thing to, one, figure out what you want. Yeah. But I think even harder is to figure out what the company's culture is like if you've had zero to little exposure to them. So have you got some tips for the people listening on how they would be able to, to ascertain what the culture of the new company that they're interviewing for is or mm. what they would like to join and the best way to figure that out? Yeah, I love asking questions, which obviously makes sense because I'm a coach now. That's what I do a lot of asking questions. But I didn't know that at the time. Um, the best thing I would do is I would ask people questions about like, what are the stories people tell around here? What are the stories people tell about you know, how people are treated. Um, you know, for example, what is the you know, a story about the best day you've had at this company? Um, you know, I've heard people tell me things like, yeah, well, my house burned down and the company, the, my manager helped me to get back on my feet. And that meant so much to me because it meant they saw me as more than just um, a person who's turning a crank of a screw. They saw me as a human who had emotions and feelings. And because of that, they built a bond with that employee. Um, I heard stories about, you know, people who were struggling and their companies, you know, reached out a hand and helped them to lift them up. Um, I heard stories about people saying, you know, here's employee, you know, not just about employee engagement, but employee enrichment, where they wanted to see people fly not just um, just to grow. And so you get those from the stories that people share. And it's, you have to make sure you ask the question, not just of the hiring manager, but of people around the interviewing cycle that you're going on. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's good to kind of come prepared with those types of open-ended questions that can lead 
to that level of detail rather than just, you know, closed ended questions. Yeah. Because that gets the real, that gets deeper. So you get the real juices of, of what's happened or some of those good fun stories. Is there any other tips or tricks that, that you could, that you've used or would recommend people to use when they're interviewing or looking for a potential uh, new career to, to get that cultural element out? Yeah, there's, there's two things that I, that I think about. The ones, one of them is when you're talking to the most senior person in the room, um, ask them why did they get into this field? What drove them into this field? You know, basically coming to that inspiration point because you want to know, was it money driven or was it driven by some purpose that's deeper? You know, being in the space that I was in, usually there's a lot of stories you uncover around helping patients and helping, you know, maybe even loved ones who have cancer or rare diseases. Um, or maybe it's a, around a product that they knew was missing in the world and they wanted to make something better. Um, so there's that. And the other, the other question I love to ask is to, um, is to say, you know, what was the one thing that um, when you came here, you were surprised to find out? Some good questions there. Okay. So yeah. what inspired them to get into the field? Um, what they're surprised about. Okay. Some, some good tips there. Thanks, Tony. So, okay. As we kind of then fast forward through, um, yeah. can we talk about how you changed from, uh, well, you changed career path from being a finance person into a coach. Can you tell yeah. us the story behind that? Yeah. I mean, I, on the outside, Everyone would see, you know, a successful person who's climbing this ladder of, um, you know, moving on this path, you know, getting to next levels and, you know, outwardly successful. But on the inside, I felt like there was something missing. And um, I moved between companies. I started my own company where I was doing financial consulting for a number of small to mid-sized biotechs. And I got this feeling that there was something that was just not there. Um, people would often tell me, you're not the typical finance person. You have this element of really seeing people deeply and caring about them deeply and wanting to know more about their stories and what makes them tick. I would take that information in and I would say, yeah, but this is what I'm trained to do. This is what I do. Um, and I would just move along my, my, my day. Um, it all came to a head after um, I struggled through things like burnout and depression, um, the things that you know, people end up having when they're on the wrong path. Um, the last thing that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will, was uh, when I was sitting in a boardroom um, at a, a company that was about you know, 50, 40, you know, 50, 40 to 50 people. We're all sitting in a conference room and I'm, you know, I'm seeing these C-level people who are all arguing about like, who's right and who's wrong about a particular topic. And I'm looking at the whole who's in the room and they're all checked out. Everyone's like looking at their phones and, you know, typing away and just completely uninspired. And I said to myself, you know, I'm collecting a, a decent size salary right now. And, you know, I don't want to be collecting, you know, um, a salary and not do anything meaningful with my life. I need to do something different. And I literally had this moment where I just said, I'm going to walk out of this room and I'm going to change this room. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I just know that something inside of me is dying to get out and I got to do something about it. 
And so I did, I walked out. I did come back because I've got, you know, I want to maintain relationships, but, but that moment of walking out and saying to myself that I'm going to somehow change this room. Um, I want to do something different about how leadership is done in the world. That was very cathartic to me. And it unlocked me something that says, what can I do with what I've learned along my journey? Fantastic. So that was a, definitely an emotional moment, a lot of things going on. And then how did you translate that kind of moment into going into coaching? Yeah. Because that's, that's a tough transition, right? Where yeah. you're making good money, you've worked your way up a corporate ladder at several companies, you, you kind of got into your groove and you're set in your way and then boom, all of a sudden, yeah. I'm out. So that's like, there's a lot going on there. So without digging too deep, but just kind of focusing on the, the career switch, how did that all come around? Yeah. So I had, at, at that point, I had limited experience with coaches. So I, to be honest with you, I had worked with a coach, very, very small amount. And I was like, well, this is interesting stuff. Um, so I didn't know that coaching was going to be the path. But somehow it started to click. I said, maybe this is something I should test out. So I decided to get certified in, as a coach. And the thought just having a certification would be just enough for me to maybe start a business in this. But it wasn't enough. What I realized is that for me to truly go out there and venture into the, the world of coaching and really treat it as a business, because that's what this is. It's not just a tool. It's also something where you have to go out there and say, I'm running a business. Um, and the finance background helps with that a lot, right? Because yeah. you can see the numbers, you can track your metrics and your scorecards, and you can ultimately hold yourself accountable to that, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I like to think of it as a, um, I've had a coaching friend of mine who, who always says is it's coaching consists of three things, coaching skills, coaching being, which means how are you being in the world and then coaching business. And if you don't build on all three of those things, you're going to, you're going to have a hard time um, creating a business, creating something powerful in this world. And one that people often ignore. And the one that was the hardest for me to embrace is the coaching being. If you don't go deep enough into yourself and understanding who you truly are and get over those things that you usually show up as imposter syndrome, like who am I to coach? Who am I to help people who are, you know, bigger than I am in terms of title or maybe, you know, higher net worth, if you will, then you're never going to be able to help those people and share your gift. I had to get over those challenges by really understanding who I am and what are my gifts and how they, how I share them. So that was my journey. Uh, I, don't go, I probably went deeper than you want me to go, but I just want to share that it is all three of those, those no, aspects. You put a good point there with the imposter syndrome because that, that's universal across everything, right? Is that yeah. people don't value themselves as much as they should. So yeah. as we pivot into this rabbit hole, let's just go with it. And what are some of the tips that you would suggest for people to kind of snap out of that? Yeah. Well, first of all, you have to respect what you've done in the past. Um, you're not just coming into a new field with, with like a complete uh, noob, <laughs> a newbie. You actually have a world of experiences that you can build on. And um, all of those things that you've learned along that path help you to leverage um, your, those experiences into a new field, whatever it may be. 
whether it's coaching or whether it's going into being a consultant of any sort, don't discount your past because you're going to new field. That's the first thing that I always say. The second thing is look for the holes. What do you think is missing and see if there's ways you can fill them. Um, if you feel as though you don't know how to confidently work with a particular, you know, um, target customer, find out as much as possible about that target customer, get in their shoes, understand their mindset, know what they like, get to know everything about them. Um, so to the point you can actually say, when you meet with them, I, I kind of already know your pains, but I want to make sure I validate this with you. Um, you're already getting into the mindset of who they are on a day-to-day basis. Those are the things that help you to get more confident to work with the people who you want to work with. And that helps the imposter syndrome in a big way. Fantastic. Man. That's a good, uh, it's a good tip. So then we get back into the coaching. So then how did you transform from zero clients, new at coaching, newly certified, mm. to building a business out of it? Yeah. Um, the first thing I had to do is stop hiding behind certifications. Um, I kept on getting more and more certifications, feeling as though like that would help me to be viewed as more valuable. The reality is the right. most, yeah, the most valuable thing you can do is just get out there and start trying, collecting no's as my, as my coach would say, yeah. <laughs> you know, no's are their, their clues and the things that you can continue to try and test out. Um, once you start to have clients, they start to refer you. They see the value of what you bring. And you also validate what you do by trying. It's kind of like the old adage of like, you know, don't wait for a perfect product. Just put a beta out there and keep on, you know, seeing what's working, see what's not working. And I think, you know, a lot of people get paralyzed by that step as well in terms of, You'll like in, the, in your case, you're hiding behind certifications and oh, let me do this additional exam, let me try study for this, and you're putting it off. But really, the crunch time is getting out there in the real world, taking that action step. And like you said, with every no you get, you're closer to your next yes. Yes. You fail yeah. forward and fail fast, right? Yeah, there's an old saying that yes lives in the land of no. <laughs> So if you collect all those no's, you'll eventually find that yes in there. And uh, it's and then, worth can it. You, can you share with us the first yes you got and who was it? How did you close that deal after all the no's? Yeah. And oh my gosh, uh, you know, the anxiety that I feel around that first yes, it was amazing. Um, it was early, uh, but it was also um, cathartic to feel that um, element of like, wow, I'm really going to be working with somebody. Um, it actually was a referral. So someone said, you know, hey, I know you from your past experience. Again, I'd never discounted the, you know, the people I knew from my past, but they knew me because of my personality, who I was, and the type of person I brought myself into the world. And that I was referred to this person. And um, as I talked to them through, you know, what I was going to be able to help them with, they said, yeah, I'm willing to give you a try and see if we can do this, um, work this out. And I still remember like the impact that I made on this person and the testimonial I received. It's like, it feels like a dream when I look back um, to this day. So it, wow. it was a validation that this is not just some flash in the pan. Um, Amazing. So Tony, I'd like to end with one question. And that is, if you had to put your success down to three factors and apportion it out between them, 
how would you apportion it between skill, drive, mm. and luck? Um, so skill-wise, um, constantly um, looking at different patterns and breaking them. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the one thing from skill I always think about is like break the patterns. Like what are the things that I'm stuck in that I need to get out of? Um, in terms of drive, um, constantly showing up, um, always showing up, even on but those how days. How would you rank them in terms of importance between the three? Yeah, I would put the, um, the showing up as, the, as probably number one <laughs> because – Showing up has been the hardest thing and it is the hardest thing still. Some days you just, you know, you feel like there's this element of comparison. You compared yourself to the wrong, um, the wrong person and you start saying like, oh, I, I wish it was at that level. I wish I could be that. Then you have to get yourself into this element of if I keep on showing up, I will get to the place where I need to be. If I don't do that, if I don't stay in action, then it won't happen. Um, so that was an important thing that I need to, I needed to, to, to embrace. Um, and then the third one, um, I'm not sure category wise this would be, but I, this is one thing I've learned to really truly embrace. And that is this element of like getting uncomfortable, getting truly uncomfortable as much as possible, putting myself in rooms where I felt like I don't belong and being okay with that. Um, sometimes it felt really awkward, but at the end of the day, it, you grow into those things. It is a sign of growth for sure. So yeah, Tony, thank you so much for sharing with us. If people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. The best place for them to find me is, uh, is at my website, inspiredpurposecoach.com. And if you go there, you can find the leadership assessment at the top of the page. You can take that and find out where you are in your journey. And I'm also on social media, LinkedIn, probably the best place, but I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, and, you know, all the channels. <laughs> we'll, put, we'll put all the links below on the YouTube yeah. so people can uh, click into you. So thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. It's been fantastic. fantastic. Thank you so much.